0: Shalom and welcome to The Jewish Mind Where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism Many people seem to be worried of the selfishness of capitalism In which people aren't giving as much as they could or should However, in truth, our capitalistic country as an establishment And our citizens as a population Are one of the kindest in the world when it comes to giving The greater challenge and struggle of our capitalistic country and citizens is when it comes to the humility of receiving and being able to ask for help. I would suggest that the ratio of the free world population is well beyond one to a thousand in which for every thousand people who give help, there's only one person who is willing to ask for help. In the DNA of free people is embedded the arrogance of self-reliance masked in the humility of not burdening the other. There is a movie called The Giver, which is all about the person who has the knowledge of the outside. While in Judaism, the mystic who is charged with guarding and teaching the infinite secrets of the inside is called a mikubel, which means the receiver. In this lecture, based on the teaching of the Rebbe delivered on this week's Torah portion in 1987, we will discover the infinite greatness of the Receiver in face of the finite greatness of the Giver. In this week's Torah portion, immediately after the passing, burial, and mourning of Sarah's death, Abraham focuses on getting his son Isaac married. Abraham calls upon his faithful servant Eliezer and gives him clear instructions of from which families and under which terms he is to arrange the Shidduch, the match, for Isaac. The Torah goes into great lengths to tell us the story of what happened with Eliezer on this journey and even tells us again all the details of how Eliezer tells the prospective family of all the events that took place. Upon the length of the verses and its repetition, the the sages teach. Says Rabbi Acha, Nicer is the talks of the servants of our forefathers than the teachings of their sons. For the portion of Eliezer is repeated, where many details of the laws of the Torah is not given but in hints. Our sages teach us that the reason why many details of the laws of the Torah is not given but in hints is because of the rule, and I quote, it is enough for the wise one with a hint, End quote. And the reason why the portion of Eliezer is repeated is specifically because the portion is speaking of the marriage between Isaac and Rebekah. In other words, there is the general difference between the Torah of the sons and the talks of the servants of our forefathers. However, in addition to this, there is the specific power of a portion speaking of a shidduch and a marriage. Thus, we need to explore the depths of bringing together the two halves of one being on the spiritual, mystical, and on the physical, practical levels. And now, for the list of the mystical concepts we need to explore in order to understand this lecture. A. Yichud Zun the unification of small faces and femininity. B. The moon. C. The great receiver in reproduction. D. Layers of spiritual marriage. E. The great receiver. And let the amazement of Chasidis begin. The reason why the primary importance to the point of Biblical repetition about this story is the Shidduch factor is because on a mystical level, all of existence and purpose is solely for the Shidduch experience, the matchmaking, the marriage experience. There is a custom before performing a commandment, some do this before every commandment observance, while Chabad does it once a day in the morning, to say, for the sake of the union of the Holy One, blessed be He, and the Shekhinah, to unite the letters yud hey with vav hey in perfect oneness, in the name of all Israel. Okay, what does this prayer mean? The Holy One, blessed be He, refers to the six male emotion emanations known as small faces. And Shina refers to the feminine mystique known as feminine and kingship. So too, the first two letters of God's name represents the male giver, as in intellects, and the last two letters of Vavhe represents the female receiver emotions. Thus, the secret of the oneness of God's name and the oneness of God's presence and glory in the universe is a secret of bringing a oneness between the giver and the receiver aspects of God and thus of all God's creations. This is the primary focus and meaning behind the mystical intentions of the unifications within Torah study, which is the unification between the author of the Torah and the Torah, and of mitzvot observance, which is the unification between the master of the will and the will. We will return to the many different layers of this spiritual marriage and unification between the giver and the receiver shortly. However, first, let us take a deeper look Into the two dimensions of divinity That of the giver and that of the receiver Within our creator and within his universe In Kabbalah and in Hasidus The existence between the giver and the receiver Goes as far back as in the relationship Between the source and the light In which the source is the giver And the light is the receiver This evolves into the existence And the relationship between the light Which is the giver And the vessels which are the receivers However, the first physical point of the existence of the giver and the receiver begins on the fourth day of creation. And God made the two great luminaries, the great luminary to rule the day and the lesser luminary to rule the light. At first, the verse speaks only of two equally great luminaries, immediately after which the verse speaks of the great luminary and the lesser luminary. Our sages pick up on this sudden change on the sudden change and explain they were created equal, but the moon was made smaller because it brought charges and said it is impossible for two kings to use the same crown Now this is quoted in Rashi. Rashi explains that this homiletic teaching in the Talmud is based on the discrepancy of the two expressions, the two great luminaries, which intimates that the moon was a great luminary and the lesser luminary, which intimates that the moon was smaller than the sun. To reconcile this difference, the rabbis asserted that the moon was originally created equal to the sun, but because of its complaint that the sun wielded the same power that it wielded, it was forced to relinquish that power. On a practical level, originally the moon had its own light, just as the sun, while now the moon has no light of its own and serves as a luminary at night only because it receives and reflects the light of the sun. Thus we now have the giver as the sun and the receiver as the moon. Let us look back at the teaching from the Talmud as to what happened and what we see is that seemingly God punished the moon for his complaint that the sun wielded the same power as the moon. The obvious punishment is, and I quote, God said, Go make yourself small. The Talmud itself quotes the moon's reaction to this punishment. And this is what the Talmud says, and I'm quoting. Sovereign of the universe, cried the moon, because I have suggested that which is proper, must I then make myself smaller? However, let us see how Chassidus explains what happened to the moon. King David says in chapter 89 of Psalms, For I said, forever will it be built with kindness. And one of the understandings of this verse, for which it is often quoted, is that the world was created for the sole purpose of kindness. For kindness to exist, there must be a receiver and a giver. To the point that our sages explain that the only reason that poor people exist is for the sake of kindness to be able to exist. However, being that all is created by God, and that all are the fingerprint of God, then the necessity and value of receiving was not perceived. For God does not receive from any other. God is the ultimate giver. However, this lack of perception for receiving as manifested in creation is actually a form of ego. The mere fact that the moon perceived, can two kings wear one crown, tells us that it is within the moon's perception that there is the concept and value of having a receiver. There must be a king and its subjects, not two kings, wearing one crown. There has to be a giver and a receiver. This is the precise point in which the existence and the candidate for a receiver began. As a matter of fact, the very perception of having a receiver is based on a connection to the ultimate desire and purpose that God has in creating the universe and in all of service of mankind to God. By God, fulfillment of novelty and thus pleasure lay in the humility of the receiver." This is the secret behind where God places the moon. Light and day is ultimately a degradation for God. Any form and expression of light and goodness is a diminishment, meaningless and purposeless before God of which light and goodness is infinite. Novelty, purpose and pleasure for God begins where there is darkness and its transformation into light. Thus God places the moon to rule the night. Even more so, the moon in itself is not a source of light which would make the moon's capacity for light finite as gray as it may have been. Rather, the moon in itself has no light at all. Its capacity is to self-reflect the light of others. This power of reflection has absolutely no finite limitations. With this we can understand the saying of our sages. The Jewish people are compared to the moon, count by the moon, meaning that we set up our calendar on the lunar orbit, and are destined to renew like it. Abraham's focus on finding Isaac a wife is explained by our sages on the verse. And it came to pass after these matters that it was told to Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she also bore sons to Nahar your brother. Now, our sage want to know what it means it came to pass after these matters. Which matters and why did these matters cause that Abraham should suddenly hear, Behold, Milcah, she also bore sons to Nohar, your brother. When he returned from Mount Moriah, Abraham was thinking and saying, Had my son been slaughtered, he would have died without children. I should have married him to a woman of the daughters of Anar, Eshkol, or Mamre. Those were his allies. The Holy One, blessed be he, announced to him that Rebekah, his mate, Isaac's true soulmate, has been born and that 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 is the meaning of after these matters. In other words, after the thoughts of the matter that came about as a result of Isaac's binding on the altar in which Isaac would have died without children. Thus the focus was that Isaac would have died without children and Abraham being the cause for the unfulfilled promise of God to Abraham and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac and... For an Isaac will be called your seed. That was almost gone just because Abraham did not marry off Isaac, who by the way was at the time of the binding at the altar 37 years old. Within the unification of the giver male, the receiver female of marriage, for the sake of offspring, the power of fulfillment, in other words the power to have children, reproduction, lies in the receiver and not in the giver. The reason for this is that while the power of light is in the giver, however, the power of the essence is in the receiver. The power of creation, ex nihilo, something from nothing, is not within the light, for the light in itself has a source. So how can the light create something out of nothing? The light cannot give to others what it in itself does not have. It has a source, so it's a something from a something. Therefore, it too can only create in the fashion of something from something, not something from nothing. Only the essence of God has no source, God forbid, and thus the power of creating ex nihilo lie only in the essence and not in the light. The giver is connected to the light of God. Therefore, the power of reproduction is not in the giver, the male while the receiver is connected to the essence of God, which is why the power of reproduction is specifically in the receiver, the female. This is the ultimate greatness in the receiver, that it is connected with the essence of God, and therefore only within the receiver is there the power of reproduction, purpose, and fulfillment. Now let us see how this plays itself out in the spiritual layers of marriage and in our spiritual service to God thereof. In the existence of the mitzvot, there is the commander and empowerment of the mitzvah, which is the giver. And then there is the mitzvah itself, which is the receiver. So too, in the mitzvah itself, there is the reason and intention of the mitzvah, which is the giver, and then there is the mitzvah itself, which is the receiver. We find the same in the person performing the mitzvah. There is the intention with which he fulfills the mitzvah, which is the giver, and then there is the action of the mitzvah, which is the receiver. This applies even when the mitzvah is done without any conscious intentions. Just as with speech, words cannot be uttered without previous thought. Even if we clearly see that the person is speaking thoughtlessly, nevertheless, nothing can be said by a person if there was no prior thought at some previous time of these words so too it is with action. The movement of motionless muscles demands some thought that triggered neural connections in the mind that cause the actual action. And what is important to notice is that in all these spiritual layers and in our service thereof to God, the primary focus, reality, and fulfillment of it all lay specifically in the receiver and not in the giver. In closing... No individual will ever reach fulfillment before they can embrace being the receiver. Arrogance runs rampant in the ego of the person who claims, nobody help me, I am a self-made man. I have witnessed offspring trying to obliterate the existence worth and role that their father or mother played in who the individual became. And it it is utterly despicable how desperate it sounds in the ears of those who hear him say so, and is trying to solicit the grandeur of being a God who needed no one. Yes, Stalin had everyone who helped him rise to leadership killed, including his own uncle, such is the actions of a man who refuses to acknowledge his ever being the receiver. What we need to do, each and every one of us, is to embrace the humility of the moon in being able to exist in the sky of darkness that God has created as His home so that we can illuminate and transform the darkness with the peace of God's essence that God placed within us. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here, at the platform of the Jewish mind, is where modernity meets Judaism.